Hello and welcome to Coexisting. It's 2020 and due to the coronavirus making its way across the world, we find our towns and cities in lockdown in an effort to slow the pandemic. I'm Lara Lightbody, the producer of this show. Apart from the COVID headlines filling our screens, I was curious to hear how people were living day to day. So I asked the same eight questions to people in different countries to get a glimpse of their lives during their version of Shelter at Home. The questions I ask cover life right now as that person is living it. What day of shelter are you on? What are the rules in place? What is it like in the streets where you live? What practical advice has helped you at this time? What is your most memorable moment? And what would you say to someone who is feeling low today? It's part information, part human story archive, but mainly trying to get an uplifting bent on this insane situation we find ourselves in, and at the same time preserving these memories in audio. Memories that will, in a few short months, be forgotten. So, plug in those headphones or that speaker, grab a cup of tea or a glass of the good stuff and take a seat. This is Coexisting. Hi, my name is Linnea, or Lenny for short. I am currently in Los Angeles, California, but originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I am currently, as I like to call it, a full-time podcaster, content creator, and world changer. My current podcast is called Tub in the Bedroom. It's a podcast full of -of out-of-the-box thoughts and ideas on life, love, and everything in between. And what's really cool is in addition to my current show, I am working on developing various other shows that we'll be releasing over the course of 2021. So it's a full plate, but I absolutely love the opportunity to bring new shows out to the world that really explore some major touchy topics and hopefully allow people to see things from a new perspective. Growing up Black in America is so different for each Black kid, depending on where your parents are from, where you live. All of it plays a role. And so all of us are seeing and experiencing Blackness in America in such a different way. Our perspective is different. So I wanted to start a show that just focuses on in on people telling their stories about growing up as Black in America, where we can see the differences and kind of build a community in that, because it's so different for everyone. The second one is because I'm, I'm usually the advice giver in my friends group, and so with a lot of push from my friends, I wanted to do something that was kind of along the lines of Dear Abby, but more on like with video and Instagram and YouTube called Hey Lenny. So really just answering people where they can actually feel no judgment because we all have those questions that we're never going to ask our friends because we know secretly they'll judge us even though they say they won't. So it's like you can ask me anything and I'm a no judgment person. It is Wednesday, August 19th, 2020, my parents' anniversary actually. And it is day 163 of my shelter at home. I live in downtown Los Angeles. The thing is, I actually was with my family in Arizona till about a week 
a week and a half before this all started. I had lost my job a couple months ago, and I was just kind of getting set up to get in the mindset of need to find a job, keep working on my personal business stuff, and just growing. So I came back, was ready to go, and then everything kind of catapulted into seeing the video and then the protest. So what happened to spark the protests is there was a brutal murder of a black man, George Floyd, and that happened May 25th, and it was by the Minneapolis Police Department. To me, it was the spark that continued to light what was already bubbling underneath the surface for a very long time. And that was then fueled by the lack of justice for Ahmaud Arbery murdered by two white men in Georgia, and one was a former police officer and had absolutely no justice. That was in February. And then the later murder of Breonna Taylor by police barging into her home. Again, that was in March. So those actually happened before George Floyd. I think what it was is George Floyd's video really just, I mean, you can't watch a nine-minute video of someone dying before you and not be outraged. So I think that is what really sparked people all over, not just in the U.S., but all over the world, that something is very, very wrong here. Honestly, it was a mix of feelings. It was terrifying, but it was empowering at the same time because you were terrified because of the way that the police were treating peaceful protesters. Like, you weren't allowed your basic American right, no matter what your skin tone was, to protest against something that's wrong with the government, which is one of the biggest reasons why America was founded in the first place for these freedoms. And you weren't allowed to do that. But at the same time, it was so empowering to see so many people of every single skin tone come out and support and say, we will not stand for this anymore. We're not going to take it. And it was, I'm getting chills just talking about it right now, because to me and for me, in a way, it was actually life-changing. The way I grew up in America, at least what I've always felt, and speaking to the friends that I have that are Black, that were raised here by parents that were raised here, coming from immigrant parents was very different than kids growing up with parents born and raised here. My parents are from Haiti and Jamaica, and so I'm a first-generation American. So I didn't necessarily understand what it was to be Black in America for a long time. When you grow up the way that I did, you don't necessarily understand what people are talking about when they say, oh, this person's racist, or that person was following me in the store, or this cop pulled me over just because I was black. I didn't know what that was. I grew up in a 99.9% white town in Arizona. I came from immigrants, which never in their mind ever, like my skin color wasn't a thing. I didn't even see my own skin color. I was just an American kid growing up, living my life. And 
I've had so many friends here in California that were like, what are you talking about? Like, when I go to this part of California, people stare at me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? People stare at you. For me, I never see that. I never understand it or connect to it. And I do think that's very akin to my parents did not place any emphasis on we were black. We were just taught as we were like everybody else in our neighborhood. And I was lucky enough that my parents sacrificed everything to be where they are. And so I grew up in the nicer part of town and things like that. Nicer part of town, nicer school, nicer this and that. So it also put a level of I don't want to say separation, but I guess that's what it is. It put a level of separation because many people that generations and generations of their family are born and raised in America, they live in poverty or just above the poverty line, and it continues generationally because of the systemic oppression against those people. It was all downtown. It was massive, just massive. It moved. It was like West Side, then Melrose area, and then downtown happened. And so it just kept getting, I feel like it just kind of got bigger and bigger. And it was just, I mean, they brought the military in. So when you watch the news, they were just focusing on people are looting and They were calling it a riot when it wasn't a riot at all. But there were definitely individuals that I heard individuals yell, blue lives matter and people cursing. But at the same time, I think the solidarity was just so big that in this moment, you were completely overshadowed. I feel like it's almost akin to the pride parade that happens in June every year in West Hollywood. You always have fringe people, but definitely... You can't drown it out. It was definitely larger. One of the largest protests that I have ever seen in my life. We've had so many protests downtown for different things since the current government. But those protests didn't even compare to the level of this protest. And it wasn't just the amount of people. It was the energy that was rippling off. I could see and hear everyone from my place in downtown. This energy was just, it didn't matter where you were in the vicinity. It was thick. It was moving. It was just that. It's like someone saying, What else do we have to do? How much more do we have to take until you will just let us live, breathe, be free? It's just simply asking the question that's been asked since the day people were brought over on slave ships. For me, seeing that, I didn't actually go down into the street to protest just because I was very, very, and still... I'm very, very concerned about the pandemic, and I was so worried about everyone because it's. I wanted to be out there standing for all of us, but then your self-preservation mechanism kicks in, especially with African Americans being one of the ethnicities that is at higher risk. So now it's almost like, geez, this is just a double whammy because here we are trying to stand up for our rights with us, our allies, but then all of these people, many African-American who are at higher risk, are now 
putting themselves in such great danger that can just turn around and hurt the community. It's almost like you can't win. That's when I really decided to protest in my own way by using my podcast and the voice I had. And also because I come from a primarily Caucasian background with where I grew up, I really started having those conversations because I came to the realization that sometimes change does not have to be a giant thing. You don't have to move mountains. The ocean is made up of a zillion little drops of water. And if you are a little drop, you will ripple out. So every conversation I have can be a ripple to the next. And especially if I'm able to speak to those that are Caucasian, they can bring it back to those that they know that then look like them and have those better conversations. It felt different from years before because I think back in 2016 when Philando Castile and others were murdered, I think because we had a black president, people were just assuming that change was going to happen no matter what. Even though he was heading towards the end of his term, people just assumed, oh, well, we have a black president. He's going to understand this and change is going to happen, which I completely understand However, it's politics, and if we all know anything about our government and just government in general, nothing moves in politics, and nothing happens quickly. So I think with what happened after the 2016 election and the multiple times that we see that, and I'm going to be very frank here, but we are led by a white supremacist terrorist, which is what I say this person is in my book. Because, and I know some people might say, wow, that's really strong words. But when someone backs and backs white supremacy and commits the acts that have been committed against all of these peaceful protesters, I think that added to the difference of what is happening now. I think there is a level of fear in people now because if this is a person leading us, then what's next? Are we on our way to another Hitler moment. Are we on our way to that? Because it seems like everything this person does, we just kind of am like, okay, well, that's fine. Whatever. We'll let it go. And the thing is that incites all of the people that are part of hate groups. And so I think these protests are really also pushed by that level of we have to get out there and we have to stand our ground because if we don't, this is what's coming for us. To be frank, civil rights, it's a war, and it's been a war for over 450 years. Again, since slavery had begun, it's a war all over the world. We're just in different parts of it. But in America, everyone thinks civil rights started in the 60s. It started way before that. It's just a continued battle. To me, this is a battle that did get a little bit of headway, and people kind of take a step back. And I do think, though, that because of what happened, that people are going to push forward even more. And we may see that in the coming election, especially. So the election is in November 2020. And I've never seen so many people really working to get out and vote to the point that people are just buying stamps to make sure that USPS can keep going and get their ballots there. I definitely think the lockdown changed the nature of it. 
Everyone is stuck at home. They're online. Their eyes have definitely been on America for not handling the pandemic in the best way, and then compounding that with the police brutality that is continuing to happen. I think that that has made it have the platform that it's always needed because so many people are now, you have nowhere to focus. You Your life has stopped. What else are you going to do? And now we get to see it constantly. So people are like, okay, what's going on here? And having the questions and conversations. So I think COVID, as bad as it is in other ways, has actually definitely been a help to this situation. I feel tentatively hopeful. I'm an optimist by nature. So I do hope that America is going to keep going forward in this good path. And I'm hoping that these four years that have just passed are the wake-up call many Americans have needed, and I know I needed. So that is where my hope lies, is that these past four years is that wake-up call. I also feel that we have a chance, though, to let it slip by if people keep trying to be right and not do what has to be done, which is the same mistake we made four years ago. And not everyone will like Biden, not everyone will like this, but it's what we got and it's what we have to deal with, or we know what another four years is going to be like. I think with the youth generation, things will change because it's a generation willing to stand, willing to take their money elsewhere, willing to pay a little extra to make sure things are done the right way and care more about sharing and humanity than they do about money and just getting ahead. So I think that we do have very good chances for change. I guess my thing to get out to the world is I know change is scary. I know all of the issues that the world is having might seem so big that you can't do anything, but every small thing you do, it matters. So don't be afraid to just go out there and make the change you can, even if it's educating yourself on things and then talking to others. Make the change you can, small or large, It matters. You matter. Thank you for listening to Coexisting. It's Lara Lightbody, the producer of the show. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear the story unfold, here is where I need your help. Hit the subscribe button so Coexisting comes up automatically in your feed. Secondly, write a review and rate with stars, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And if there's anyone out there that you think would make a great guest, just get in touch. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn as Coexisting Podcast. That way, that many more people will find us.